This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 683 with Beth Syverson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 683. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Beth Syverson is a shameless mom to her 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been struggling with addiction and mental health issues for several years now. She struggles with addiction as well, though not with the same substances as her son. This experience has given her empathy for her son's struggles. She has learned to maintain firm boundaries while still nurturing a positive relationship with Joey. She's walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while she works on her own personal growth and healing. Joey and Beth started the Safe Home Podcast in August of 2021 in order to help other families avoid the pain that they've endured. They are committed to destigmatizing addiction and mental health, and they want to help as many families as possible through sharing their stories. This has been an incredible conversation and topic. I'm so grateful to Beth for coming on the show and sharing really courageously and vulnerably. And it's also really important that you know, before we dig in, that Joey gave consent for this conversation and for Beth to share his story, even encouraged her to do so because he wants his mom to have conversations and share parts of his journey with this audience of shameless moms. I'm always a little tentative when I invite guests on to talk about their children in ways that might expose 
their children and especially with things that can be as sensitive as addiction. So I do always make an effort to make sure we have children's consent before we dig into their stories. And that definitely happened in this instance. And Joey was so gracious and helpful and supportive when he was able to consent to this conversation and really just encourage his mom to share. So Joey, if you listen to this, thank you. Thank you. I know this episode is going to help other families in really significant ways. With that said, listen in to hear Beth share the impact of Joey's in utero trauma and his first seven months of life in Japan, how her own experience with addiction informs her parenting as she walks beside Joey through his addiction, how Joey's experimentation with vaping and nicotine led to life-threatening, full-fledged addiction, what to look for if you suspect your child might be using, and the signs that Beth missed when Joey was first using how Joey's first suicide attempt opened her eyes to his massive struggle with addiction, how to use curiosity as a tool in talking about substance use and abuse with your child in order to open up conversations instead of shutting down conversations, how she uses the craft method, a special communication technique to prioritize a relationship with someone who's on an addiction journey, the importance of removing shame from addiction, the boundaries that she keeps in place while prioritizing her relationship with Joey, how she and Joey co-created their podcast, Safe Home Podcast, and why the show is so important to all parents of tweens and teens, and her number one advice for parents with struggling teens. Oh my goodness, this is a meaty episode. It's a lot to take in, but it's also really critically important. It's going to open your eyes to a lot of different things. I know it opened my eyes in terms of what our kids have exposure to, what they have access to, how quickly things can move from experimentation to addiction, the signs we should be looking for, and just so many ways that we can be thoughtful around addiction in our community, in our families, so many ways we can be thoughtful around talking to our children about substance use and abuse, and so many ways that we can just really focus on communication and parenting while we are going through really tough times with teens and tweens and everything in between. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Beth Syverson to the Shameless Mom Academy. Beth, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a good conversation. It's probably going to be a little heavy, but it's a really important conversation. And so I'm just wanting to thank you in advance for putting yourself out, asking to have this conversation and being open to sharing things that are sometimes challenging to share, but also just so important and impactful in terms of the potential to help others and touch other lives for other people who might be going through something similar. Yes. Thank you for allowing this topic to be bubbling up on your podcast. And yeah, I I think it's important. I kind of live in this world all the time. So, but I know it's pretty heavy and people might not want to think about it, but I think it's really important to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's interesting as we have these harder conversations, and this is something I really, a couple of years ago, wanted to be intentional around centering harder conversations, because as we have harder conversations around addiction and other challenges that many, many humans face, we do normalize some of those experiences, which I think is so healthy for everyone. It helps those of us who don't relate to that to just understand where other people are coming from. And it also helps those of us who do relate to these kinds of things to feel seen and feel heard and feel so much less alone. So there's just such, I think there's such tremendous opportunity for impact across the board when we have these conversations. So I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. hundred percent agree. 
So with all that, let's go ahead and kick off with my typical first question. So tell us a little bit more about yourself beyond your bio, beyond your uh, personal and professional life outside of your bio and what you're looking forward to right now and what you're most excited about right now. Right now, I'm kind of digging into the adoptive parent space. I'm an adoptive mom and I've kind of got this vision for um, helping create a community of adoptive moms that are willing to look at adoptions challenges. So that's kind of my next project. I've got a lot of mind space dedicated to that right now. <laughs> I love that. What an important place to seek for people to connect through and have community with people living a similar experience. Mm-hmm. How many, I know you have one son at least. Do you yep. have more than I have one? I used to say he counted double. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now maybe triple or quadruple. Yeah, just one son. We adopted him when he was a baby from Japan. Okay. And he's wonderful and amazing and has been on the struggle bus now for a couple of years. So. Mm. And remind me how old he is. He's 18 now. Okay. Okay. I was trying to remember if he was pre-18 or post-18. Yeah. So right at 18. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you adopted him as a baby then? Yeah, he was seven months old. Oh my gosh. What a big experience. Yeah, it was exciting. We got to go to Japan. We stayed there for a couple of weeks and just, you know, it was wild. It was surreal and silly me. I didn't think that having adoption in one's life would make a huge difference. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, oh, well, he's so young. He won't know the difference. We'll just be his family and he won't even remember. And Mm -hmm. the thing is his body and his soul remembers and so there's a lot of trauma before we got him and then I divorced his dad when he was four which created you know kind of reinforced that attachment Mm -hmm. fear and fear of losing people so that didn't uh, didn't help I needed to divorce his dad but it was not great Um, so poor guy he did great all the way through his childhood and he hit adolescence and just the wheels fell off (laughs) so those are a lot of big life experiences. And it's interesting when you think about life experiences in that way, or you think, well, a lot of kids are adopted. They're fine. And a lot of kids go through divorce and they're fine. And so you might even hold space for like, we should be aware of some things that might be challenging, but you think that these are also really common lived experiences. And so you probably didn't see the wheels falling off or expect to see the wheels fall off until they did. I thought that my love would conquer all, you know, I thought, oh, well, even if he had a little problem here or there, I love him so much and I'm working really hard as a parent. You know, I was pretty aware, not about adoption, but other stuff. And it just didn't, it's just not enough sometimes. Sometimes it's just not enough and our kids need to go through whatever. And every person affects, is affected by trauma differently. So you just never know how a person's going to come through. Yeah. I Um, love, I think it's so relatable what you just said that well, I'll just, I can love him enough and that will make it all fine. And I think that that's like what we all think when we first have children, Mm -hmm. we think, well, if I just love them enough, what else could they possibly need? And what a wake up call, which might've taken you a while to get to it, to recognize like, oh, holy cow, I thought love would be enough. And there's other things that maybe you can't control. Like you can manage, I can just keep loving really hard, but there's so much else that you can't manage. Right, right. And the big piece for my son is, I believe in utero even, he was getting all sorts of stress hormones. His birth mother 
didn't realize or didn't admit she was pregnant until she was in the ambulance in labor. And so I just think of that poor young lady and how much shame and stress she was going through. And you know, when you're, you know, when you see pregnant people, they're Mm -hmm. like completely babying themselves and, you know, taking good care of themselves and, and monitoring their emotions. So their child in utero doesn't get affected. Well, this little young lady, she was only 16, you know, she didn't have any of that. Mm -hmm. And so even before he was born, I think that he was already just swimming in trauma. Yeah. And 18 years ago, we didn't know a lot about, or I certainly did not know. And I worked in psych, I worked in a psychiatric hospital 18 years ago. 20 some years ago, we didn't know a lot about intergenerational trauma. It wasn't no. something that we would be thinking ahead of time. Like, okay, we know this child had these experiences. So what does that mean long-term or how can right. we get ahead of that? It's getting um, much better. I mean, Oprah wrote a book about it now, so it's oh, becoming read, more mainstream. Have you read the book? I have not, but I've heard her talking about it. And I, I love the whole concept. So. I listened to the book, which I'm completely spacing. Is it what happened to you? Uh-huh. The book is what happened to you. And it's by Oprah and a doctor, Dr. Peter Levine, I think. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to link to it in the show notes for all of you listening as I flounder my way through this, but the book is, it's a fabulous book. I listened to the doctor, uh, Dr. Peter Levine. He narrates it. If I recall, or no, maybe they go back and forth. Anyway, I listened to it when it first came out, which was now a little while ago, but fabulous book on what, how trauma impacts us. And again, going back to this idea that like, even if we think we aren't super impacted by trauma, we are always sitting beside people who are. And so being able to just relate in a different way so that we can understand that we're always sitting next to people that we don't know what they've been through or raising humans (laughs) or the kids that come into our house to play for play dates. We don't know. So yeah. Just don't know. Everyone's carrying around a little pile of stuff and To just have empathy, you know, if someone barks at you or if someone falls apart or, you know, is extra emotional, just go, God, I don't know what they're dealing with. I have no idea. Exactly. It just might be something really hard and really, really tough. Or it may not seem hard to us, but to them, you know, two people can be involved in the same exact accident or incident and one can be traumatized and one might not be. It just depends on so many factors. So just giving each other a lot of grace and understanding will go a long way, I think. Absolutely. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. I want to dig in to addiction a bit here and kind of get us into that part of this conversation. You have experience with addiction. Can you talk about your own experience with addiction and then how that's informed your relationship with your son? And this might kind of impact um, your son is Joey. I don't think we've referenced yeah, Joey, him yeah, by sorry. name at this moment, but Joey. So maybe you can also dovetail into your experience into Joey's story and kind of help us see how that all inter- or overlaps and intertwines. Yes, yes. Yes. So my biggest addiction my whole life was sugar. I have a picture of myself at one year old on the floor, just feeding myself fistfuls of sugar from the canister that I pulled out. Mm -hmm. And my mother was not really available to me. She was also very young, uh, like my son's birth mother. And she just wasn't really emotionally available. And it wasn't her fault. It just she was traumatized. So I found sugar to feed that sweetness, right? And that warmth and that trusty sugar was always there for me. And Mm -hmm. so it just became 
a big part of my life and I was constantly thinking about sugar. When can I eat it again? When do I have a second where I can go to the store and get another pint of ice cream and can I eat it in my car so nobody sees me eating it and can I throw it away outside so no one sees it in the trash? You know, stuff like that. It got really kind of crazy, just like a drug addict would, you know, be trying to hide and sneak stuff around. I was doing the same thing with food and mostly sugar and sometimes other snacky kind of stuff, but mostly sugar. And for me, when I eat sugar, it just gives me the giantest dopamine hit and I just can't stop. So what I found that worked for me five and a half years ago, I found a program called Brightline Eating, which I highly recommend if you've got issues around sugar or food addiction. And it's a pretty extreme stance on food and it doesn't work for everyone, but it works great for me because I love following rules. If you just tell me rules, I will follow them. So no (laughs) sugar, no flour, no uh, snacks, and I weigh and measure all of my food. And all of those constrictions around my food gave me peace. Mm. And it worked for me right away. I haven't eaten sugar or flour for five and a half years. Wow. And the first couple of weeks were pretty gnarly, I have to say. Sugar is extremely addictive and your body reacts when you all of a sudden quit feeding it sugar. But after a couple of weeks, I my mind cleared up, I had more energy, and I do not crave it at all. I look mm. at it and go, ugh, that looks so horrible. That would make me feel so sick and it would just totally derail me. So I am so glad I had that experience with sugar that I know what cravings are. I know that uncontrollable, you know, you get to the bottom of the pint of ice cream and go, "Mm, that still wasn't enough. What else? What else? Like unsatiable. Yeah. Totally. And that I have to have it. I need it right now because it's exactly what my son goes through. Just his substances are different. Mm-hmm. But that those instincts and those drives and that craving is exactly the same. Just unfortunately for him, his substances are illegal for him and at his age, for sure. Some of them are not illegal in general, but at his age, mm-hmm. they are. And mine's not only not illegal, but it's pressed on everybody. You know, mm-hmm. there's sugar everywhere and it's, it's yeah. particularly marketed to kids. And, you know, so there's that. And then also his substances will kill him much quicker than mine Mm -hmm. you know sugar contributes to all the diabetes and heart disease and cancers in the world so it does kill people but it takes a very long time sure in a really different way yeah his just are much more dangerous in the moment but i am so grateful that i can understand and have a lot of empathy you know people are like well why can't he just quit well why don't you just quit eating sugar right now how would you like that you know and it is not easy to just quit you need tons of support and you need you know, to just have your mind ready. And at this point in time, my son's mind is not ready. So he's basically self-medicating a lot of pain and anxiety and, and stuff like that that he hasn't found other solutions for yet. Hopefully Tell me, and it's important that we talk at the beginning, whenever we are sharing a story that involves a parent and a child, I always wanna be really clear that the parent has spoken with the child and which you already shared with me, like you spoke with Joey and Joey is okay with you sharing these pieces of his story and your story, your joint story. And so you've, I always ask people like, are there things that are off limits or things we shouldn't go? And so you so kindly, and I think also like so beautifully said, Joey wants other families to understand this. So as we're referencing what this journey has been like for you, and we're bringing in elements of Joey's story and centering that at times throughout this conversation, it's with consent, <laughs> with Joey's yes, consent. Absolutely. Um, I think that piece is really important. 
can you share a little bit? I'm thinking about this timeline. So you said that you quit, you were able to get off of sugar five and a half yeah. years ago. Yeah. And so I'm thinking that's when Joey was 13. Yeah. So, so what is that? I'm thinking the timeline of like you getting off the thing you were addicted to and him starting. starting out, to yeah. That was about the time we think he was starting weed and nicotine <laughs> vaping, which is super easy to do nowadays at mm-hmm. school. And I didn't find out about it until he was 15. So he was probably doing it for a year or maybe even two, we're not sure, before I knew about it. And so, yeah, it was interesting timing. And I just think, you know, sometimes, I don't know if the universe plans these things out in advance, but just sometimes things line up nicely, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nicely for us. And I was able, I often think if I was still in the sugar, I would not be able to be present for him. I would be, Mm -hmm. especially with these crises happening, like every day, practically, I would have been completely at the bottom of an ice cream carton every day. I was just going to say, you would have been self-medicating. Oh my gosh, (laughs) totally. So the fact that I was able to recover from my addiction and have that kind of under control and it's so habituated now, I don't even think about it. So that was so good. And I really had to be careful knowing my propensity for sugar to always have food with me, to always be prepared, because I never knew from one day to the next when he was 15, would I be going to the ER? Would I be running to school to get him? Would I you know, be putting him into a rehab today? And mm-hmm. just there goes my whole day. So I always had my food with me. Mm-hmm. I have kind of weird food I have to eat. You know, it's hard to find no sugar, no flour food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In a vending machine. But yeah, vending machine, everything is sugar and flour. So I always carried food with me so I, you know, if I get hangry, no good. It's, uh, you know, nobody's going to be good if I get hangry. So I need to make sure I always had my food with me. Right, right. Can you talk a little bit about what, so what was Joey's path? Because I know that there's parents who have either tweens or teens who have this awareness of, especially, I'm so glad that you mentioned vaping and that that was some of the precursory stuff because I think that we have this awareness that like, yeah, that's a thing and that's what's accessible and that's what can definitely be happening at school and without our knowledge. Can you talk about that being the beginning and then kind of what came after that? What progressed? Sure. Yeah. He started with vaping in class. He vaped cannabis for the first time in class, in science class. And mm-hmm. that just sort of boggles my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm a little impressed with the boldness. I know. I'm a rule follower like you. So like that makes my anxiety go up. Just I know. Not trying to get away with that. Yes. My son, on the other hand, not a rule follower. He is a rule breaker, <laughs> like a risk taker. And these kids that like that kind of risky behavior, yeah. you know, vaping provides many opportunities. Mm. It's mm-hmm. super, it's everywhere in school. And the teachers and administrators, at least a few years ago when he was in high school, they are clueless and have no idea how to stop it because it's just everywhere. And the teachers don't know because it smells good and smells like fruit or other snacks they might have. And and they vape and they put it down their shirts. They put the vape wow. in their shirts so it doesn't go out into the air. And they just can hide it. And the, the vape pens, they look like, like USB devices or something like that. And my son said he's seen teachers pick them up when kids drop them and give them back to them because they don't know what it is. 
Oh my gosh. I know. So parents, you got to be on top of this stuff. And it's kind of impossible to be on top of it because the vaping industry will just change the designs. And they make yeah. them really cute too, by the way. Little colorful things, little rainbow patterns, and or really metallic and like high-tech looking. So kids dig it and they change it all the time. So you got to stay on top of it. And um, I'm not really one to advocate, you know, searching your kids' stuff all the time. But just, you know, just kind of become educated and know what's out there, know what to look for. So if you see something weird in your kid's backpack or if something drops out, you're like, huh, I think that might be a vape pen. Let me go look into that a little further. Without freaking right. out, though, parents, please don't freak out. The freaking out will make your kid hide from you more. Mm. So one word I love to use for parents is curiosity. Huh. Mm. I wonder what that is and why is that in your backpack <laughs> yeah. without, without being a freaking out, punishing, judging, shaming, those things will push your child away. So if you want to help your child, if you feel that they might be involved with substances, if you want to be on their side and help them, stay calm and stay curious and empathetic and go, hmm, what must that feel like for my kid right now? He's struggling, he's using substance and now he just got caught what would be my best path of action here? Yeah. So it's really tough though, because it is easy to go into freak out mode because it's very scary. Yeah. I think that's a really important tip. And you, you clarify why it's so important to use curiosity as a tool. When we're scared, we <laughs> like to like sit and be calm and be like, let me approach this from a place of curiosity and compassion. Like that's not a that might not be our go-to, mm -hmm. but hard. to be able to pause, stop ourselves and yeah. consider what's going to open the pathway for an actual conversation versus shutting down a conversation. Exactly. Um, you totally get it. That's exactly right. You want your child to come toward you. If you are aggressive or punishing or shaming, they will go find somebody else to talk to about their substances. There are plenty of people, their friends, their peers, their peers, big brothers, and YouTube. You know, there's just plenty of people that will tell them everything they want to know about substances and how to navigate them, how to get off of them or whatever. But if you want to be the one that they come to, take that breath, take a pause. It's not an emergency. If you find a vape pen, you don't have to handle it immediately. Mm -hmm. Believe me, they've probably used it a few times before you found it. Yeah. Just take a breath, go find maybe a peer to talk to that might have gone through it. Go listen to my podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, so, definitely. You know, kind of get yourself grounded and then maybe with some help, go try to um, navigate with your kid. It's not easy, but the more can we you, can stay grounded, the better. Absolutely. Can you share what tipped you off to the fact that Joey was using and what parents should be looking for aside from, you know, finding, stumbling upon paraphernalia. Yeah. And if they find paraphernalia, I guarantee your kid's using. Sometimes kids will say, oh, I was just holding it for something. No, that's exactly. Cool. It was my friends. They're they yeah. definitely using we've it. All, yeah, if you've been 16 yeah. and tried yeah. anything, like we've all used that excuse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we've heard that before. Okay. So here are the things I missed because I didn't know until he was in the psych hospital after trying to kill himself. That's oh, when I found yes. out he had been using drugs. Okay. So he was sleepy all the time, kind of sullen. He kind of withdrew. He was isolating a lot. He was in his room a lot. I honestly thought he was just masturbating all the time because I'm like, what? I don't know. 
teenage boy. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's a really reasonable assumption. You're like, I'm just going to give him some space. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. So we, and my wife who uh, used to use drugs when she was, you know, a young adult and she recovered a long, long time ago, but she's like, Beth, he's spending too much time alone. I'm like, Oh, just leave him alone. I should have listened to her. She knew, she knew something was up, but I was like, no, not our son. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. do that. And so, uh, golly, it can happen to anyone. My son was a star athlete. I thought baseball would protect him and he would never jeopardize his baseball career for drugs. And I thought he would get caught if he would, you know, I thought he'd get kicked off the team. He would never risk that. Oh, for crying out loud, they they vaped on the field. Mm. Practices are so spread out. It was so super easy for them. So nothing will protect your kid. There's no scenario that your kid will not be susceptible. Not every kid will do it, but there's no, my kid won't do this. So just get rid of that thought. So those are things I missed. And he tried to kill himself because he got into psychedelics, Mm -hmm. which are everywhere as well. And um, you can even vape them, by the way. Um, There's a thing called DMT, which is an extremely fast and extremely uh, intense psychedelic experience for like 20 minutes. Most, you know, LSD will last you like a whole day. So DMT is a 20 minute, very, very high rush um, journey that people take and it's pretty dangerous and you vape it. So I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know people were doing psychedelics. I thought that's what they did in the 60s. And uh, so there was a lot of eye opening for me. But the psychedelics kind of made him go into these other realities that he liked much better. And he's like, well, I just want to stay over there. Thank you very much. I'm done with this life. So he tried to kill himself and oh we several times and we put him in the psych hospital and I thought, OK, we're good now. He won't be using substances anymore. You know, he spent 10 days or whatever in the psych ward. And I was so much more concerned about his suicidality, which yeah. I should be. That's the most important thing, you know, if if you're dead, you can't recover from drug use. So much more important to keep the kid alive. But I, as soon as he got out, he went back and used some more, you know? So it was, I was pretty naive about the whole thing. It took me a while to kind of wake up to what was going on. And how old was he? That was at 15? 15. Yeah. When that all happened. Mm -hmm. So that was three years ago. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you wish you would have done differently when leading up to this in the phases and seasons um, through that like preteen, early teen years. I should have listened to my wife. Mm -hmm. I should have listened to her instincts and just let go of my ego a bit and, you know, listened to that. I should have been in better communication with my son. We kind of gotten into kind of just like functioning, driving him to baseball, you know, getting him to school, but not really communicating about deeper things. I wish I had been more emotionally connected with myself at that point, which would have made enabled me to be more connected with him. I wish I would have helped him deal with his adoption trauma much, much, much younger because it turned out that his identity issues around being Asian in a really white school, he was getting bullied. That kind of drew him over to the drugs because guess who offered him vaping? a bunch of Asian kids who were also getting mm-hmm. bullied. So that gave him a lovely sense of community with these other ostracized kids. And that sort of fit the bill. And if I would have been better equipping him all along about being uh, cross 
cultural, cross-racial from me and dealing with his adoption trauma. There's adoption therapists that could have helped him from infancy, really. They have play therapy and things for really little kids that hopefully would have helped at least mitigate some of it. But as it is now, he's dealing with his adoption trauma. He's trying, you know, even though he's still using substances, he's working with someone that's really helping him with his early childhood attachment issues and that deep, deep grief and feeling of unworthiness. So mm-hmm. he is working on it, but I feel like if I could have jump-started that a little, a lot sooner, that might have been a, a big difference. Yeah. What have the last three years been like since that first suicide attempt up until this season right now? And I, and I want to just say before you, before we dig into that, that I think that it's, interesting to be having this conversation when there's not a closed loop where we're not like, and now it's all better. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I appreciate that you're, that you and that Joey are open to having the conversation while being in the experience. I think that adds a really different element to the nuance of what we're talking about, that it's not tied up in a bow and it's not, there's not a, the end where it's like, we're yep. still here. So there yeah. never will be a, the end, even if you were to be sober today. Yes. I would still be fretting because I'd be like, yes. well, what if he relapses, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there won't be like, okay, we're done with this. Right, right. <laughs> this is just our path. This is our, we're all on our own healing path. This is our path. It is a little bit uh, complicated. But uh, so the first year after his suicide attempt was hellish. It was horrible. And there were many, many other suicide attempts after that, overdoses, hospitalizations. It was just chaos. And my work was just kind of getting thrown to the side. I was just barely functioning. And I was running him from one thing to the next. I was trying all sorts of different things to help him, different groups and psychiatrists and addiction medicine people. And oh my God, nothing worked. It just nothing worked. And I think me trying to make everything work made it worse. Just like, Mm. I will fix you. You know that. (laughs) This is all my love. Do you see all my love? Exactly, yes. Honestly, that's how I felt. I love you so much. I'm going to spend every moment of my day looking up different healing modalities for you. It did not help because it made him feel like a project and people don't like to feel like a project. And after that year, we were just struggling. Our marriage was kind of rocky. It was just so stressful. So my wife and I got a life coach and she had a child who was also using substances. And so she knew this world. Nothing I told her scared her, which is usually if I tell her the parents like, what? Oh my God. So she's like, yep, yep, been there, done that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, found the right person. Thank you. Yeah. And she taught us so much and just shifted. You know, she helped turn our ship around. And she helped us realize that it's most important that we take care of ourselves. Mm. Especially as Joey got a little older, literally we cannot control him. And his dad, it's a whole different story, but we can't control anyone except ourselves. So the more we can stay grounded and taking care of our needs, like my food, sleep, you know, basic stuff, mm-hmm. and just putting ourselves first. You know, the, in the airplane, you put your oxygen mask on right. first, and then right. you help your kid. So she really helped us to shift that. And then using a, it's called the CRAFT method or the CRAFT approach. It's an acronym, Community Reinforcement and Family Therapy, I think, Family Treatment. I can't remember, CRAFT. If you just Google CRAFT method, it will show up. Okay. And it's this method that's proven to help people get into recovery sooner Mm -hmm. and more often than that kind of 
tough love, shaming kind of, you're out of here until you're sober kind of thing. In craft, what you do is you prioritize the relationship, no matter what. Your kid is using, I don't care, you're still gonna prioritize your relationship with that person with a hefty set of boundaries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's really important. So you don't just enable them or lose yourself completely. Boundaries and then positive regard, find things that you love about your child, find the things that they are doing great. Like for instance, my kid is extremely resourceful. He can find the drug dealers anywhere. He can find his way around town without transportation anywhere. He is just really resourceful. So, I mean, you got to hand it to him for things like that. So even if he's in the midst of a giant relapse, even if he's not, you know, studying or doing a job or whatever, there's always things you can be appreciative. I'm so glad you called. It's so great to hear your voice, my love. How are you? Instead of Oh my God, what are you doing? What substances are you using? Why aren't you sober? Why don't you go to this rehab? And that has totally changed. And my son realized when we did that, he's like, huh, things are different. I can feel it. And it really shifted things. And it enabled him to be honest and open with me when he was struggling. It was no longer trying to hide or put a mask on. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the big things that we've learned in the last couple of years. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. 
So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. That's so interesting. My husband and I, before we had my son's almost 10, and before we had him, we would watch Intervention. And so lots, and I would like laugh at the, and now I, I can't remember, I think it's Bob, but the guy was like, there's a bunch of people here who love you like crazy and they have a few things they want. Like we had like the script memorized, but I remember like kind of the formula for boundary setting and different things. And it's so interesting because a lot of times those boundary settings were like, if you can't do this, then you can't live here or you can't like, and so prioritizing a relationship with someone who's on an addiction journey and is just, it's a different framework than what I've heard. And I would just imagine I can understand how that would, instead of shutting, instead of closing a bunch of doors, it can open the door to conversation. And I think that's so interesting that you can, that your son now feels a sense of trust and safety to come to you to say, I'm really struggling. Here's what's going on. While I'm sure it's really hard to hear those things, you would much rather know than not know. And that's really significant. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I want him to come toward me. And so the moment he's ready to be sober, he knows who to call. And he knows that I won't be going, well, finally, you know, he won't get that kind of negative backlash. And he just knows, come this way, I will help you with whatever resources (laughs) I can give you. And yeah, so that's made a, a huge difference. And it takes away, we're kind of all about taking away the shame of addiction. Cause you know what? I don't blame this kid. He's got all this existential angst from being relinquished when he was a baby. He's getting bullied every single day from elementary school all the way through high school for being Asian, which I still cannot understand or believe that, but it is true. He lives kind of in a a racist place. And just people are kind of cruel. Kids Mm -hmm. are really mean. And his dad and I were split and it was just really chaotic and, you know, I don't blame him for grabbing onto something that helped him cope. Unfortunately, the things he grabbed are extremely addictive and really hard to get out of. So Mm -hmm. he's just in this cycle. But if I can look at him as a human being that was trying to solve some problems and he grabbed these substances and now he's kind of stuck, it gives me a lot of empathy and I can give him grace with keeping my boundaries still. Of course, I don't want people to think, oh, yeah, you're just letting him do it. Well, kind of, I am letting him because I can't stop him. Right, right. And I'm wanting to stay in relationship with him. Can you talk a little bit about, to whatever extent you're comfortable, talk up. so you've mentioned that you're like prioritizing the relationship, but then there's also some clear boundaries. So can you talk a little bit about the boundary side and what that looks like? Yeah, so the boundaries have always been super clear at our house, no substances once we found out he was using them. So that was a very clear, easy boundary. But unfortunately, his dad buys him substances and he can use whatever he wants at his dad's house so for a couple of for probably that first year a year and a half we struggled with okay we get him to our house he'd be ready to recover he'd start recovering he'd go a couple of weeks kind of through that real tough stuff and then his dad would smuggle him something oh my gosh yeah it was it's horrible we know we called cps and the police and just nothing was able to be done and now he's 18 so it's you know, now it's, now Joey's on his own, but he's still living with his dad. I mean, he's responsible for himself now, but, but at a certain point we had to say, Joey, even though 
we love you and we would love for you to be at our house and recover. We cannot have you at our house anymore as long as your dad is alive because he will just sabotage whatever mm-hmm. efforts we've made and whatever efforts you are trying to make. So you are no longer able to live at our house. That was a really tough one. Yeah. But we've stuck with that. Now I'm speaking from what used to be his bedroom. We've <laughs> got rid of his whole bedroom. So he's definitely not coming back. But uh, we just couldn't continue that battle. It's, it's yeah. not a fair fight. You know, free drugs and no one caring what you do or no drugs at our house. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's not fair. What is your communication like with him living at your ex-husband's house, with him living with his dad? And you being in this place of really wanting to prioritize this relationship and be supportive and be open and available. Okay. So along with saying you're no longer allowed to live here, we said, but we will, and it's about 30 miles away, but it was a couple of times a week. We're going to come down and take you out to dinner or Mm -hmm. ice cream or whatever. We'll go for walks. And he, he and I talk almost every day on the phone or text, um, you know how teenagers are sometimes, yeah. they're just <laughs> too busy for you. But <laughs> but we run him to his therapist and to his doctor's appointments and things like that. So we are very connected. I do not communicate with his dad at all, just for everybody's safety and wellness. We just, mm-hmm. just work with Joey by himself and just avoid the whole thing. But those are the ways that we are staying connected. So we don't want him to think that we're not on board or it's just for our own sanity, and just for the effectiveness of this whole operation, it won't work for you to live here, but we're going to continue to be together. Yeah. So one of the ways that you're together with him is that you created a podcast with Joey. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is so incredible. Can you talk about the podcast? And I would love to hear, like, I want to hear the nitty gritty, what it's about and who, who should listen, of course. But I also want to hear, I would imagine it's just this like gift in your relationship to be able to co-create something with him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, this started almost exactly a year ago, uh, August 21. And it was his idea. It was while he was in that month or so of recovery. And he's like, Mom, we should make a podcast to help other families so they know what these kids are doing. Because, you know, I can tell them what the kids are doing and how they're doing it, what all the stuff is called and how they can help their kids out. Like, for instance, one, I was actually the second episode after the introduction episode. Our second episode was about cough medicine, like mm-hmm. Coracetin and Dimetap and anything with DM in it. Kids are using that because it's very cheap. You can steal it easily or it's in your parents' cabinets. Mm-hmm. And they take many, many pills at once. And it's a dissociative and it completely like blacks them out for oh. quite a long time. My son almost died twice doing this because he oh took a whole box. So we wanted to let parents know, lock up your over-the-counter medication and obviously your prescription medication. You should already have that locked up, but lock everything up. Lock up your Mm -hmm. Advil. Lock it up because your kids, if they are getting into substances or their friends or whatever that are coming to visit your house, they'll go search your your cabinets and they don't care what it is. They'll take it and just take it in multiples and get whatever kind of buzz they're looking for. So things like that, that we just really wanted to help educate parents. So it started off with um, substances, but then we also talk about mental health. He has quite a kind of serious mental health issues, depression, anxiety, maybe bipolar. We're kind of trying to figure that out because it's hard to tell with substances on board. Yeah. And also we talk about adoption. We've brought in several adoptees to talk about their story. And we talk about diversity too, because my wife and I are gay 
And uh, we also talk about like neurodiversity and autism and things like that, that other families might be dealing with, you know, Mm -hmm. things that people with teens or young adults that are struggling. That's kind of basically what our pod is about. Wow. It's called the Safe Home Podcast, right? Safe Home Podcast. Mm -hmm. It's on all the podcast apps and on YouTube too. I'm curious if that collaboration, if there's like ebbs and flows to collaborating with someone who's currently using, Uh, because I would imagine there's ebbs and flows to kind of how that person might show up on any given day or have the capacity to show up on any given day. For sure. After about six episodes, he relapsed and it was clear he was going to relapse. You know, it was like, sort of like he was going down and I was like, Joe, what do you want to do with the pod? And he's like, mom, I want you to keep going with it. Cause I was willing to just wait and just put it away. And um, he's like, no, I want you to keep going with it. Parents need to hear this stuff and you need to go talk about relapse and let people know that relapse happens. So we've done three episodes on relapse now, uh, two with just my wife and I, and then one with me and Joey. And he, he was using substances. He was relatively cogent at the time, but he was talking about, God, it's so hard and just, it's a voice we don't really hear very often. The yeah. voice of the addicted person in addiction. In yeah. And I think it's important for us to hear their pain and to hear, mm-hmm. God, you guys, I'm trying. Right. <laughs> and, addiction, and relapse is super common in addiction. And so just trying to give a human voice to that. And then after that, then it's mostly been me and guests. I bring in a lot of different guests. Occasionally he hops on. He came in when I had a guest talking about cannabis. <laughs> mm. Because he's very interested in cannabis. <laughs> but so he comes kind of when he's interested. You know, he's he's 18 and that's kind of how we, kids do. Right. They just like, oh, okay, it's interesting to me. I'll show up. But also it depends on some days he's like literally not available. So right. that's kind right. of how it's been going. What advice do you have for parents of struggling teens? Okay. Number one thing is to go get your own therapy and self-care. I know that's probably not what you thought I was going to say. The number one thing, if your kid is struggling or if you're afraid they're going to be struggling, right now, go get yourself an appointment for your therapist or find a new one if your therapy is not working. Uh, Go deal with your own adolescence, you know, whatever's left from your own adolescence. And everybody has, you know, struggles during their own adolescence because when your kid's going through it, oh my goodness, it pulls up whatever's left over of your own. So if parents can get a better handle on their own, you know, personal growth and get yourself centered and grounded and whatever terms you want to use, the better you'll be able to be there for your kid and whatever they're struggling with. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, Beth. I feel like I could ask you 1 million more questions. (laughs) This has been so incredibly helpful. I appreciate all the ways that you are so transparent and able to share elements of your story, elements of Joey's story, you know, many elements where those, your stories overlap with one another, but also share with parents what to look for and what to prioritize and how to show up in parenting in really, really hard moments. I feel like this is just an incredibly valuable conversation. So thank you. Thank you for everything. Before we go into where people can find you and all that good stuff. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I am showing up as a shameless mom by going out into the world to reduce shame of addiction and mental health too. That's a huge priority of ours is to destigmatize those things. Yeah. So these 
talking to you, other things that we're doing with the podcast, other speaking events and things like that. I am just trying to get the word out that our kids, our addicted loved ones are just struggling and, you know, to just have a little bit more empathy and a lot less shame around it. Mm, so. Thank you so much for that work. It's so important. Where can people find you, connect with you, listen to the podcast, all that good stuff? Yeah. So find the podcast on any of your apps and on YouTube. Uh, you can just Google it to Safe Home Podcast. Our website is safehomefamilies.com. We do have a couple of events coming up. We have an event on September 10th called Movies and Conversations. And what these are, it's going to be short films that my friend Alex Kaplan makes with his organization called Of Substance. And they're really great art house type films, not like a documentary, but like films about reducing shame. Right up my alley. Yeah. And so we're going to watch a few of these short films and then have discussions. So that's going to be on September 10th. And on October 1st, we're going to have a screening of a really amazing documentary about adoption trauma. It's called mm-hmm. Reckoning with the Primal Wound. So if any of you that are listening are adoptive families or adoptees or know someone who's adopted, it's a really great film that helps you understand adoption trauma on a real a real personal level. So that's October 1st. Incredible. Are those both virtual events? Yeah, they're both virtual events. Okay. And are those events both on your safehomefamilies.com website? Yep. You can find them on our website. Yes. Okay. So perfect. I'm going to connect in our show notes. I will link to safehomefamilies.com. I will link to the podcast. I'll link to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as well. Um, and then from there, people can pop through to the September 10th event, the October 1st event. Those both sound incredible. Oh, Beth, thank you so much for all of this. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I always tell people, if you write a book or you do something else that you want to come back and promote and share that would help our listeners, please do that. But in this case, I'm like wanting to say it really loud and clear. Please, please keep (laughs) me posted with what you're doing and any way that we can support your message through the Shameless Mom Academy. Because I just think this is incredibly important work. And you know, I have a almost 10 year old son. And so as he gets into these ages, it's interesting how I'm suddenly like, yeah. I need to listen really listen hard right now. Yes. <laughs> um, You're my target I, audience, right? You. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, just keep us up to date with what you're doing because we would love to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us, 